Speak when you are angry, and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Ambrose Bierce The Dragon Pod with Bending Not Breaking Book 4 Earth Chapter 3 Breathtaking Welcome back to another episode of The Dragon Pod, under Bending Not Breaking. This is our third episode covering season four of The Dragon Prince, and I am thrilled that we are continuing to bring on incredible guests, and this episode is no exception. We are covering the episode Breathtaking, and might I say that our guest is a little breathtaking as well. Uh, Vila Spengsberg is our guest today and is an award-winning Danish director and producer best known for his work with our favorite Emmy-winning Netflix original, The Dragon Prince. But you all may, you, you might also know him from the Lego Monkey Kid TV show and the Netflix original Lego Elves. He's directed commercials, music videos, TV series, live action animation for over 15 years and is well-known and feared for his passionate hands-on approach and multidisciplinary skill set. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Thank you, man. Uh, well, with that introduction, I feel much better. I, can you, uh, can I play that every morning I wake up? That would, yeah. That would <laughs> I, you know, just give me a call and I'll read it off to you yeah. and I'll add some things every day. It'll just, it'll change. Yeah, so well. it's not repetitive. <laughs> I wake up at five, usually, so it'll be a little early, but uh, you know, we'll yeah, get used to it. that's my time. That's eight. So I can definitely do that. That is perfect. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. So uh, we we hear all of your accolades, right? All the things that you've done for 15 years regarding work. But aside from work, what what's something that makes you you? What makes you uh, human, so to speak? Um, well, it's a good question because, you know, we, we live in a, in a time, day and age where, you know, people are as professionals, at least in, you know, in my field of work, in terms of entertainment and film and animation, it's very much, much about, you know, uh, practical, uh, practical skill set. Um, but when you are like uh, writing or directing or producing, you know, sometimes that skill set becomes more about communicating with people, mm. uh, communicating, you know, your vision, uh, but also kind of like the collective vision. Um, and I think I have always been, you know, I've played a lot of music and a lot of jazz bands and stuff. And I was never like the great front guitar soloist kind of player. I was always like in the back, kind of making sure that, you know, the drums and the bass and the guitar are kind of like all like, you know, supporting everybody else. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I tend to use that when I work that, you know, when you watch a show like Dragon Prince, it's a 250 people show. And what I usually say is that, you know, my job is not to kind of enforce, you know, my personal vision, but it's more to kind of like elevate and what, you know, the animators and the board artists and the, you know, rendering people, um, what, what they can do and bring to the show and through kind of ownership, you know, that they feel part of the process. Wow. Um, and also, you know, just like to bring, uh, you know, a more diverse voice to animation because like for the longest time, animation has been people like me, um, you know, just dictating what is funny, what is right in terms of, um, you know, ethnicities and romances and et cetera. But yeah. when you open it up to 250 people uh, and these days because of COVID, you know, on Dragon Prince, we have the option to work with people in Indonesia and Malaysia and Vancouver and all over the place. You get a much more interesting, um, I think, more interesting, fresh take on it. So, so basically my job, you know, as a creative is actually kind of being creative through the, the the rest of the team really and, and yeah. elevate what they do and plus what they do and help them succeed uh and and make something of of high quality <laughs> you know yeah. uh because like tv animation is really hard because you're on a budget you're on a schedule um you're not making a pixar movie right but everybody's kind of holding you up against uh you know more expensive bigger uh disney and whatever dreamworks shows yeah uh, we're not that but we we have something you know, 
else, which is the quality of the characters and the quality of the story. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately we have to kind of, you know, live with certain other aspects of the production, not necessarily being um, d- 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 Pixar level. Uh, so it's just finding the right battles and stuff. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm hearing and talking, as you can tell, I'm pretty good at talking. So. Yeah, it's great. No, I, that's why you're here. I, there's a lot of really cool things that I'm hearing from you. One, one of the things that kind of makes you you is the way that you view the process of creation. It sounds like creating to you is not a one man driven uh, process, but rather a process driven by everyone who has input into the creation process, which is really, really neat, um, which kind of leads into our, our first segment really well. So I'm going to jump into it. So our, our first segment is the primal source, and you are the primal source in this regard. So with that in mind, like what, what um, can you share anything about the making of this episode? This is a huge episode in this season. And is there anything from behind the scenes that could bring light to our understanding of it? Uh, so I'll try and be really brief because <laughs> I can talk forever here. Um, it's like on Dragon Prince, it's a very script-driven show. Uh, other TV shows are more board-driven, meaning that when you're drawing the, the storyboards, you are basically coming up with story ideas and dialogue. Where on Dragon Prince, a lot of it's on the page. When you read your 22 pages of script, it usually turns into 20 minutes of animated content. Mm. Uh, when you get a script like Fall Free, um, and there's this great speech in the middle of it, and there's a great uh, shallow piece um, that you know the writers have kind of envisioned already. Y- you you're kind of excited, but you also kind of you always reminded that you have to plus what's on the page because what's on the page is great, but you can always you know is there a creative way to kind of make this even more interesting? So in this episode. You know, one thing that me and the directors were talking about, like, you know, we should we should really juxtapose, you know, the violence of Ibis and Claudia with, you know, the, the now older but still boy king Esren doing this very emotional speech. Um, because, you know, the speech is great. And if you just read the speech, it's, you know, very well written. But when you put it up against images of actual violence, um, it just suddenly it takes off, right? Yeah. Um, and we hope that's what all the all the award season people also yeah. <laughs> agree with. But anyway, so it was like pushing in terms of like um, creative direction, be really brave about it and and be brave that and trust the audience to follow along. So you can yes. put Esrin in the same set as Claudia and Ibis fighting but you know he's not there, but he's mm-hmm. talking about it. Like it's the same storyline. It's the same uh, conflict that both parties are experiencing basically. Yeah, no, that's so behind the scenes. Like, and then maybe a fun, a fun a really quick fun behind the scenes is that, yeah. you know, because we were on Zoom, we don't meet that much in person. We have to kind of do like fight choreography on Zoom. So you have like me in my daughter's bedroom, strangling myself trying to show how you know we can do that and then you have somebody else in Vancouver you know stabbing me through you know it's like you <laughs> and it, we should really record these sessions because they, they look really really funny uh, but luckily the board artists you know they they know what we mean that they take it and they run with it so yeah wow that's I didn't even think about doing that kind of choreo- choreography through zoom and how how different that is than doing it in person on my instagram i think i put up a two a few a handful of uh these amazing action references i do <laughs> of like getting up from a chair looking really tired and yeah. you know when you see them they're horrible but it is at the end of the day like what you know it's an easier way to communicate uh physical movement it's just to record yourself often if unfortunately we don't have that much time on the show because we're doing it so fast um but it is a big help for the animators. Yeah. Uh, even though taking out of context, it looks hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, and all the better, right? For for later on when you can share it on Instagram or share it with your friends and people who know what's going on. That's a really cool detail to share. Well, well, thank you for being our primal source. I want to dive into our lens today because we have a, a big conversation happening here. There's a lot of different things that are happening in this episode that are all really just 
emotional. There's a lot of emotionality in this, which is really incredible to watch. Like, again, I remember my jaw dropping while watching this whole episode multiple times. And I was asking you about like what lens would make sense to grapple with this episode with. And you kind of suggested the lens of anger. And I'd love to know what anger means to you and, and maybe a little bit about why you chose it. Um, well, it's a human, it's part of being human, right? Uh, yeah. We all have felt it. Um, and especially, you know, this show is kind of targeted at, um, you know, kids, but also kind of young adults. Um, and I think we can all, um, like, like learning to deal with anger, uh, in, cause it's, it's, it's not going to go away. And we all feel it. It might be when you're driving your car. It might be in the school when somebody is just, you know, saying something that's supposed to be funny, but you don't think it's funny. You get really angry. Yeah. Uh, learning to deal with anger is, is very important to me. And um, I feel as a society, society you know, it's something that uh, it's important that we, we, we actually put a, fo- put a lens and a, some focus on in school as well. Because unfortunately, you know, we live in a time where there's, you know, a lot of kids get very angry and they, don't know how to deal with it and sometimes the consequences are very uh terrible um so i felt this episode because dragon prince is a show that doesn't uh you know we we, we take all this you know we we, we don't take the the easy road yeah. <laughs> we take the really hard road in terms of story um and this episode is dealing with loss and anger and the pain and it shows um multiple ways of dealing with it uh and Trust me, there will be a lot more of that coming next season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and seasons. But it's like we're teasing how different people will deal with it, and I think that's very interesting. Yeah, and you know, the premise of this show is all about how do we learn from the Dragon Prince about how we can live better in our own world, right? And I'm really excited to dive into anger through this episode so that we can learn how to do the things that you're talking about. Right. And I'm curious, uh, you had mentioned having a daughter earlier. How has been like, how is being a parent affecting the way that you would grapple with shaping this show? Um, it's very interesting because, you know, a lot, a lot of my coworkers don't have kids. Um, and I talked about this on other podcasts, uh, it's it's definitely impacted uh, not necessarily the stories I want to tell, um, but it's it's impacted how they uh, you know how how much I can get into the story into like the flesh in between the lines uh, because I see now you know my daughter growing up and how you know she's also has to deal with anger she's only three but she's like a teenager already uh, <laughs> throwing stuff and screaming and. And it comes out of nowhere, right? It comes out of nowhere. Suddenly, she's just like it, it's not. Um, it's not like you know. It necessarily does anything has to kind of start it up. Like it's just like you know, wakes up and she's really angry. I'm like, hey, it's you know, the sun is shining. You know, it's blue sky. <laughs> you know, it's good. And she just want to be angry, and that's fine. You know, you have to understand that that's fine. She needs to be angry once in a while. Uh, so so it gives you a little bit of perspective. I, I think you know, being a, a, a father um with kids because you start seeing it through uh two other humans eyes right um but it's also made it a lot harder again i'm not gonna give you any spoilers but the show goes places in in the next seasons to come Mm -hmm. uh places that are as a parent um very hard to watch um so that's uh that's made the job you know you're making animation used to be just like hey you know bouncy balls and funny sounds Uh, and now it's like holy you know you kind of crying while you're watching an animatic it's like that that's a new feeling (laughs) yeah no i and i think that's what's really beautiful about this is i i love what you said that like it's okay you said it was okay to be angry for especially for your daughter it's like hey it's anger is good every now and then and i really believe in that i think that anger is something that we need to learn to process right and so oftentimes when in, in our reality, what happens in some sort of uh, a lot of childcare settings and a lot of parenting settings, especially in classrooms, we don't let kids be angry. Instead, we tamp down yeah. the emotion and say, you can't be angry. That's not okay. 
because of X, Y, and Z, rather than teaching them how to feel it and process it in a healthy way. And exactly, yeah. I'm really excited to to see where this episode kind of teaches us about that. So let's let's dive in. Let's dive into the episode. But before we do, we need to make sure that we're accommodating the people that didn't watch it today as they listen. And so we're going to give a quick 30-second recap of the entire episode in 30 seconds. Um, how do you feel about that? That's great. Well, I can I can try and give it a quick <laughs> quick spin and you can use it if you want to or you can cut it out. Um, all right. Are you ready? So I'm going to count you down from three. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, go. So we open the episode with the return of Rayla. Uh, and we see Callum's broken heart on screen here. Uh, and it's very emotional. We go to Esrin, who has this big plan of the Dragon Queen arriving. Uh, they're setting up a big party for her out in the royal festival grounds and Sabia arrives uh and the time is flicking i can't go to this in 30 seconds time. <laughs> yeah it's it the first time you do it it's kind of shocking how fast 30 seconds goes right it's way too fast yeah i hadn't thought about 30 seconds i was like oh this is a few minutes now i was like oh it's 30 seconds yeah yeah you probably can't use that but i i guess you you do you want oh, to try it'll be, it'll be great it'll be great uh do me a favor will you count down from three and i'll do one as well yeah, sure. All right, whenever you're so ready. So three, two, one, go. Okay, so Rayla's back and Callum is super angsty and kind of avoidant. And then Terry and Claudia have a romantic moment. And then Ez preps to meet Zubea through, you know, anger and fear of his people is he has to grapple with that. And then he welcomes them with some store and stand up until Callum blows up a giant tart with fireworks and then gives a torn painting as a gift. And then Ezrin's angry and Soren's angry. And then meanwhile, Claudia is like sneaking around the storm spire until Ibis starts a mage battle with her and fights to kill. And Corvus plays a cello thing and stabs Ibis. Oh, Terry stabs Ibis. And then I, 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 and that's the end that's 30 seconds oh so close <laughs> well you're much better than i was that's for sure you've done it before yeah i mean i do at this point we have what five or six years of experience so <laughs> we've been doing it for a while that's funny um that is fast yeah, holy. yeah so let's dive in tell like what is a moment that you really want to make sure we touch on regarding anger in this episode it's definitely the, you know, the fact that Esron is a little, um, what's it called? Um, he's not aware of the underlying anger in, in his kingdom. Mm. And it's not, he doesn't, you know, I think he might know deep down, but he's just kind of trying to, you know, push it down a little bit and forget about it. But then he sees the painting and it's ripped. And that's a moment where he's like, we, we can't just ignore this. We have to talk about it. Yeah, that, oh gosh, what a moment. And th there's this earlier, what you're hinting at, I, I think is this earlier moment when Opeli is like, listen, Ezrin, some, some of the people who've come to me in confidence and this is, this is big for them. I feel like we're going too fast. And he's like, no, it'll be fine. Um, and I'm curious, that seems like a very human thing to do to like, I don't want to feel this, or I think it'll, it'll be better if we just get, lean into the happiness. And we, that doesn't really work. Like avoiding anger and avoiding our feelings doesn't seem to work. Um, so I'm curious when, when you were kind of thinking about this and when you either rewatched it or when you were working on this scene, was Ezrin's kind of approach to this, um, how how do we learn from that? What like do we are we learning that maybe we don't want to? What's the best way to say that? Um, we don't want to push away those core feelings. We need to figure out how to feel them, and then we see that Ezrin does that only when there was a tipping point, right? So I'm curious, how does that like? How does that land with you? What are what are your thoughts on this? Or my reflections on that? Well, I think it's yeah, I think it's really tricky, right? Because you you also don't want to walk, walk around and you know find reasons to be angry. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it has to be true. You know, it has to be true. It has to be something you feel down. But if you feel it, you know, don't ignore it. I think that's maybe the the, the lesson. Um, Isran should have taken a step back 
and be like, hey, just, I'm just going to listen to what Pelly says because I have a, f I can, there's something inside of me that tells me she might be right. So he should have done that. And then, you know, because he was so excited about, you know, Dragon's coming to Catullus, you know, yeah. I have the opportunity to do it, but he just kind of forgot if he should do it, right? Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting moment. And so, like, it, I'm hearing one takeaway is this idea that we want to make sure that when it comes up, that we acknowledge it and work through it rather than push it aside. And, you know, one person that I see do this in this episode pretty well is Soren, right? And I'm not necessarily saying the way he handles it is good, but he he moves into the emotion. And so when this painting is revealed and it's torn, um, Ezrin, it goes into like, oh, no, I'm really sorry mode. Meanwhile, Soren goes into like activation angry mode and like starts like threatening people and says, somebody own up to this. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, he doesn't know. I think, yeah, sorry, I'm interrupting, but Sauron, you know, is he's a crown god. He, he's a physical uh, human being. And and his instant response is to, you know, try and, of course, protect Esrin, uh, because this is a little bit of a direct attack um, on Esrin's, um, you know, ideology and ideas and as a king. So he kind of, you know, he doesn't think much about it and goes straight to what, you know, he's trained to do and what he heart, what his yeah. heart tells him to do, right? Where Esrin um, is, I think he takes responsibility in that moment mm. for, for his own actions, right? Yeah. And there's a big there's a big difference there where someone kind of, if you want to be, you know, a little square about it, someone kind of blames whoever did it and Esrin realizes he did it, right? Ooh, um, that's big. Wow. So, true leader, by the way. You know, yeah. it's true leader. I, I, we, we, I think, uh, you know, again, when you're kind of trying to to steer a ship of of the Dragon Prince with that many people, and we have issues that come up, that you know, objectively is not your mistake. But as a leader, you have to kind of uh, take responsibility. You can't just blame somebody on the floor who had a bad day, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a, that's a that's a a lesson that I took you know, with me and, and definitely, you know, yeah. treasure. There's, there's two things that I'm hearing from what you said. One is the, the way that Soren and Ezrin react to this same incident is very different due to two things. One, it's due to their training. Like, so I'm hearing that Soren has been raised and trained to be defensive, to be physical, to think about, uh, how to defend Ezrin. And so his gut, his training takes him that direction. And the second thing is not just training, but also thinking about the story that you tell based off of your reaction to the incident. So Soren, I, I heard you say, is blaming the individual who did this right and is looking to exact anger there whereas Ezrin doesn't necessarily get angry immediately because he realizes that this is on himself and the story he's saying is oh this is my fault versus oh it is their fault mm. so those yeah. are two things that are really interesting does that does that make sense is that tracking for you too oh 100 100%, 100%. and it's also i think Ezrin again as a leader he represents his kingdom and the you know everybody it's a group um when he walks down and he says, you know, we are angry. Yeah. Um, funny note there, like early on in like the animatic stage, we actually had the whole crowd go like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, we are angry, you know, and it was so inappropriate because it was like, um, again, people are not necessarily ready to kind of just um, deal with that feeling, right? Mm -hmm. This one is ready to it. Yeah. Uh, he's ready to deal with, with it. But uh, the crowd is still not like, oh, I'm not, I'm not grumpy, you know, I'm not angry. Yeah. But really, like slowly, they realize through Esrin that yeah, we are actually angry, um, and it's just a, such a balance to, 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 to yeah, a balance and a, you know, to find that so it doesn't become like overly comedic or like yeah. on the nose. Yeah. That's so true. I, you know, that's a really interesting point though, and I also wonder if 
like to to me, anger is a masking emotion, meaning that it often is covering other emotions up. Um, mm. And I, I think about it from that perspective, thinking, you know, Ezrin is feeling it, it really comes out in his speech. Actually, we have to, it's it's pain, grief, loss. All of these things have just like mass been happening on mass and again and again and again and it's a violence cycle like this whole thing has been layering and layering layering to the point where it's almost impossible to feel those root emotions because we have transitioned into anger because i'm so mad i can't even process what's going on and that's a really interesting point for me to think about too like oftentimes people being angry is a, a symptom of a larger issue. And I think Ezrin does a really good job of pointing us to that. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts there about this anger as a potential, as a masking motion? So I think we talked a little bit about, you know, it's important that you are angry and you learn to deal with it, but it's also important that you break the cycle. Right. And that's just what something he talks about as well here. Unfortunately, you know, again, we see this in, in the world we live in, uh, you know, over history of countries, you know, fighting each other. And then there's a little bit of peace, but your grandfather died in some, you know, terrorist attack. So you're really yeah. angry down, but you try and you're like, well, we have peace. But actually, there's anger deep within. So when something is just it requires a small little spark for that anger to come back out because you didn't deal yeah. with it properly, right? Uh, and, you know, and, and I understand this is a very, very tricky thing to deal with. And it's potentially almost impossible for, for a lot of us to to deal with that sort of anger. But um, but it's like trying to break that spiral and just, um, and live in the, you know, try and create a future, a day tomorrow where, you know, you don't uh, you're not hindered by the, you know, that past uh, yeah. what and the anger that brings with it. And it, I'm sure it's that is very very hard, but it's ultimately what is required, you know, to to to, to break the cycle, you know. Yeah, I can so I this really reminds me of Claudia. Can we transition to Claudia for a second? Yeah. So Claudia has this is really an interesting character for me to watch because Claudia is pretty like uh, happy, you know, in mm. a lot of the time, very like jovial makes jokes is trying to you know is is constantly laughing very funny and there's this deep 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 hurt that she's grappling with that i think you're kind of illustrating for us around these this generational wound that she has been grappling with and on top of now having to spend two years working doing horrible things to bring viren back to life and is probably angry at Viren about that. And all of these wounds, so to speak, are very raw. And so while she is like surface level, like laughing and happy, there's a very like hard, very nerve, like open nerve to any sort of prov prov provocation where she can get angry very quickly, it feels like. Um, yeah, no, I think that's key. I think the, 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 the nerve that is like... Um exposed and it's a matter of you know only a few things could go wrong and she could turn very angry and you yeah. know very evil <laughs> if you wanted to so i know and i think in season four you know she um it's a baby step but it's definitely like one of those where you you know there's this open opportunity there for for a lot of great storytelling if you wanted to um yeah, yeah and I, I guess we'll see what happens in future seasons yeah for sure yeah i mean it's just it's fascinating too much about that yeah yeah no yeah. i mean i'm very much looking forward to it i'm very hooked so we're we're good on <laughs> um planning yeah it seems like it seems like most people are hooked on season four they just have a lot of complaints uh about you know funny things that we all think is, is kind of hilarious with the you know uh fart jokes and uh yeah uh, it's like you know it's good to have that anger right because the <laughs> yeah they're working with their own anger of uh or small things that they don't agree with but what i keep telling you know people is that i'd much rather have that passionate uh discussion about the show than people just going like nah. yeah yeah exactly. they're just like man they're not gonna come back for season five well right now you know 
I would prefer people to be a little uneasy with what they watch in season four, but watch season five. Uh, that's that's you know my my evil master plan. Uh, <laughs> and luckily, yeah. you know all the all the numbers that we are seeing, everything is pointing that uh, we had a very strong season four launch, and people are you know generally are super excited about the show. So it makes me very happy. Yeah, uh, but I also mean, a lot of pressure. <laughs> generally speaking, though, too, I, I talked about this actually with. Uh, Raquel on our last episode about how a lot of those jokes are also I think my my uh belief my assumption is that these often these jokes juxtaposed with these really serious moments feels very real to me um like I feel like people do that and I think that the reality of it sometimes makes people uncomfortable right because we don't know yeah. to deal with when emotions aren't just in a neat perfect little line and it it that's how it feels to me right and I, it's it makes sense that that makes people angry when because it it's there's an uncomfortable there's a, a discomfort with that right and so i think that often happens when um when these things come up that seem very true and very human yeah for sure and also, like, you know, the writing on the show is, you know, it's not just, you know, another hero's journey, you know. Uh, yeah. Aaron and his team brings, you know, a lot of originality and a lot of themselves into the, into the scripts. So uh, we live in a day and age where there's so much TV you can watch. Yeah. And I strongly believe it, it is very important to make it um, its own thing. And, and even with that many people working on the show, I want another thing in my job is really to make sure that, you know, that original voice of Aaron and the Devin and the script team, you know, is, um, it's very sacred, you know, mm. um, which, which when the stuff that let's say there's eight out of 10 board artists that's bumping on something in the script, that doesn't mean that it's wrong just because the majority of people doesn't like it. Um, because we are making something that is kind of unique and special and it's not for everybody. It's for, yeah. you know, people that like things. Uh, so that's very important to remember when we create this show, because you could just do another kind of, uh, you know, you know, like look at the Andor, Andor, you know, the Star Wars show. I think they do the same thing, right? It's it's yep. not just a general Star Wars. Let's make all the, everybody happy, right? They find yeah. their own kind of rhythm and, and story. Um, which is super important because otherwise it just becomes like, yeah, meh. And, exactly. and you're not going to watch five. <laughs> it starts to become camouflage and blend in with everything. Yeah, exactly. So I have, I want to make sure we touch on one more thing um, in this episode. And then I, I'm going to toss it to you if there's anything else. But I want to go to to Callum and Rayla's relationship for a moment. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of anger here too, right? Rayla has just been gone hmm. for, for two years. And... Hmm shows up and what we see from her is a lot of perspective like she comes back and she's just like let's talk it's been two years i've missed you and you know even in the morning when she wakes up she's like i have a lot like it she says that she has new perspective on having absence makes the heart grow fonder so to speak whereas absence in callum's case has made him more and more and more angry right and it's it's interesting to look at the difference there, um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are there about that. Yeah, no, I think you that's a very good analysis right there. Uh, like two 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 years is a long time uh, with with young with young love. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, you know I think a lot of people can relate to that sort of um, story. You know, with you know your broken heart. And then the other part just sees you a little later and they're like, Hey, how are you doing? Yeah. And you're like, all your emotions, your broken heart is like, it's just not healed. You're not ready to just be like, you know what? I can't talk to you right now. Like, it's just, yeah, it's kind of good to see you, but it's also kind of, you know, really tough. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, yeah, he's, that's created some anger for sure. And we see that actually in fall three as well. Um, and fall four, I think as well, where, you know, Callum is not. You know, he's 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 pretty pissed. Yeah, <laughs> that she just left. Um, so um, so so that's another one that is part of life, and it's you know, most of us go through 
you know those sort of emotions and yeah it's it's very hard to you know not break other people's hearts uh stay true to your own heart and, and do what's right for you and sometimes you know you break hearts and you have to live with the consequences uh and i think i don't think it's radar has never necessarily thought enough about it to be honest uh, i think that's a little bit of a a wake up wake up call that he's not just you know giving a big hug and it's like everything is good you know let's go yeah. have brunch at the tallest uh, cafe yeah I, I i you know to be fair though i think that rayla handles it exceptionally well um the the line that sticks with me from this episode i probably my favorite line uh from rayla the whole season is how about i just stay and we don't talk and i'm paraphrasing but she, you know, she is like, Callum's like, go away. I don't want to talk to you right now. And she's like, I don't need, we don't need to talk. Just let me be with you. And I just think that's just really touching because that's, that's all that she's wanted for two years. She's, she left that really devastating note <laughs> and mm. um, we've gotten to this point and she's like, I, I don't want to leave, but I don't, I, don't, I want to respect your boundaries too. And I just think that she handles it exceptionally well. I, I think that we can learn a lot from Rayla in that moment about how to handle people who are really sensitive and trying to be avoidant, right? And I think she would have respected those boundaries had she, had he said, no, I need my space. But um, she tried to- It was all, all bait. It was all bait. Bait yeah. came in and you know, he uh, on the <laughs> shifted the weight there. Yeah. So bait. Bait's no, I, I agree. Like, you know, it's definitely- uh, she's definitely pushing a little bit. I think uh, the boundaries of you know kind of forcing herself onto Callum again a little bit. But but I, I agree. If he said no, she would have left. Um, so that's yeah. So he's you know yeah, and it you know uh, she was gone next morning. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, he and slept in. I honestly thought that was a bold move uh, that she just left. I was like, uh, you're, you're just going to leave again. What, what, he's going to wake up and not know where you are. It's going to be. Uh, well, maybe she realized that, you know, that's yeah. actually kind of what he needed. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, he did her a little bit of a favor, letting her be there. So yeah. Um, yeah. Fascinating scene. I just, I, I love it. I think that's phenomenal writing in general there for sure. Oh man. So we've, we've kind of run the gambit, right? We've, we've seen, we see Callum avoiding anger and what that leads to. And like, he deals with that basically all season. We see Ezrin having avoided anger and pushed it away. And it kind of erupted into this moment. Uh, Soren leaning straight into it. Claudia having deep, deep buried anger, you know, and then, you know, leading to the death of someone, if not more than one person over the course of her life at this point. Um, and so anger does things to us. And I, I think we have a lot to learn from this episode about how to handle it. And we haven't touched on everything, but I want to make sure that we be respectful of, of everybody's time and dive into our next segment. Is that okay? Yeah, maybe uh, just briefly, you know, I think uh, Terry's. Uh, oof, oof. Yeah, it's like it's tough. It's that's that's a tough one, and I, and I don't think that comes from anger at all. Like, you know, he sees what happens, and his the love of his life is getting the shit kicked out of her, um, and he has to stop basically. Uh, at, I was at the very last moment, um, and I don't necessarily think that comes from anger, right? That's like comes from like. Uh, um you know basically feeling uh powerless yeah right? you know this yeah uh but i think what we see in later episodes is that he he starts to be angry with himself mm. so we have a little bit like <laughs> we have the full 360 of anger <laughs> in season yeah. four already if you want to find it it's, it's definitely there <laughs> yeah yeah that's fascinating too so i i'm hope that we can continue to to learn and, and grow as we watch this so thank you for for that insight i'm very excited about watching terry's whole trajectory all right we're going to take a, a short a short break and we'll be right back
All right, everybody's back. I'm really excited. We have two final segments that I'm really excited to touch on with Vilas. And while you're here, I really would love to know, our, we have a little bit of a competition between me and whoever the guest is around nominating the Lens MVP. And so since our Lens is anger today, we're going to say which character in this episode has earned the Lens MVP award, meaning this character should, for better or worse, exemplify anger and so i'm curious who would you like to nominate for the anger award <laughs> uh, that would totally be esran because uh you know he feels the anger of the people he feels his own anger uh and he does not blame anybody but himself uh and he you know and he talks about it in a, such a way where you know he reflects uh in such a mature and and you know heartful way that it's just kind of you know it's something that i haven't seen on tv before and i think it's something that we can all learn from so yeah yeah 100 Ezra. yeah i mean ezrin is a very strong pick so i'm i'm really worried that my my choice is not going to hold to yours but listen i have a 100 percent loss record for this so far so um i'm i'm gonna hope that maybe this can be the one that pulls out we'll see i'm gonna nominate callum um, and so it's for better or worse. And I think in this case, it's for worse. Um, but I think Callum in this episode is just all kinds of angry and it uh, shapes his decisions, right? It shapes his decisions for the rest of the season. Um, he is going to be standoffish to Rayla. He's going to not want to work with her in later episodes. It's going to this, this, there's a so much that stems from this moment um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to choose Callum. I'm going to say that Callum's an angry, angry boy and, um, for the worse and that he can do a little, like he, we can, we can learn from Ezrin perhaps a little bit about that. What's two, yeah. Two brothers that are handling it very differently, right? Yeah. He definitely blames, uh, Rayla for a lot of sadness and heart, heartbroken. Yeah. He's been heartbroken for two years. Right. Um, even who knows, even though he might have played a part of that himself, right? You know, yeah. if, if he had put on his Esron hat, maybe he put himself in the helicopter and be like, hey, wait a second. You know, I actually kind of pushed her away. Uh, so I don't know, like, you know, I think Esron just has that sort of like, uh, he's looking at it objectively, trying to solve it, trying to break the circle of violence uh, to kind of, you know, create a, a better future. And, you know, and 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 it's okay to be angry, Esron says, right? It's okay to be angry, get it out, you know, but talk about it and get it resolved. Well, Callum doesn't want to talk about it, right? You know, he wants Rayla to just like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great two contrasts all against each other in one episode there. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's understandable, right? Like I've been angry before and not wanting to talk about it. Like it makes sense. I just, it's hard. It's just really hard sometimes yeah. to, to, to lift that up. So we've we've nominated Callum and Ezrin uh, voters. Uh, I hope that you'll you'll vote for uh, whomever you think does anger best uh, or worst, whatever it is. <laughs> um, all right. With that brings us to our final segment. And this is my favorite segment that we do on the podcast because it's just always uh, such a heartwarming moment. But I'm curious who are you thankful for in this episode, whether it be because they have offered you something, they've taught you something, or really for any reason, who is a character that you are thankful for and why? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, I'm, so, you know, I'm just going to go with my gut here because the, char the character that kind of, you know, jumps forward to me in this episode is it's really Terry um, because okay. he's still pure... He's pure of heart, right? You know, he's he's following his heart. And I do admire that, uh, even if it leads to kind of a, <laughs> a terrible end of loss of life. Uh, he's uh, he's just a contrast to where, you know, the, the rest of the main cast have kind of gone. And uh, he's a contrast, a delightful contrast to, to Claudia. They work so well together. Um, but I also kind of feel that she's bad influence <laughs> yeah uh, and it's so juicy in terms of like storytelling that you know now working with him in in season five and six you know it's like uh, this is so much to unpack and he's such a he's a story gift he's a, a, f a fresh you know a fresh character who brings uh 
new stories that we didn't have in the past. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah, I'm very thankful for Terry to be honest. Yeah, I know. I, I love that. I, I, I thought about Terry when I was thinking about characters, but I got to admit, like, this is a tough moment to be thankful for. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's really tough. Um, and it's, it's really hard to put yourself in a position where you would be willing to kill for someone. Um, and it's like, I'm like, I'm tearing up just thinking about what that would, would require of me and the way I would feel about it afterwards. And what a, what a beautiful, beautiful and terrible way to love someone um in in the in the same way at the same time like it's beautiful and like everything that I would want of a partner and I just I I would it's scary it's scary um but yes I'm grateful for it's unfair right it's yeah. like it's unfair because um bad things happen to good people yes um yes and that's unfortunately also part of life uh and we have a lot of people that kind of have it coming in the show yeah <laughs> I don't know about Ibis. I guess you had it coming. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but like, like, Terry, yeah. like Terry is, that's a, I think that's a big shocker. And unfortunately, you know, again, in life, um, everything can be really good. And then something happens. Yeah. That is not good. Um, and that's part of it. And we, you know, we, we watched this TV show that potentially, you know, if, if we've done it well, prepares people for, some of the hardship that they will go through, you know, probably yeah. in their lifetime. Uh, yes. And and hopefully, you know, can deal with it a little, a little faster. Uh, yeah. Not that it has to be fast to deal with loss and, and pain, but, um, but at least they will deal with it, resolve it and, you know, become out stronger on the other side. Absolutely. I'm going to say that I'm, I'm really thankful for Corvus. I, I'm a musician myself and um I this moment with the cello uh, or the cello like mm. instrument that it, it I one love strings I don't play strings but I love stringed instruments and this moment I mean it it turns the whole thing into like a godfather like moment um but outside of that outside of like the meta for it this this willingness to write down and play for your king and for your people after something that was so devastating that just happened uh, with Soren and Ezrin and the Dragon Queen, like that, being brave enough to to share something that you created in that moment is requires an immense sense of courage and and willingness to be vulnerable in front of a, a large group of people. And so I'm really grateful for Corvus in this episode. You know, it's it's just, he takes the sorrow of all these people on his own shoulders a little bit, right? And yes. he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this piece for you to make you all feel better. He could just have been in the background crying himself or be angry or what have you, but like, he decided to be like, to take, you know, he has he has the energy and the power. Carlos is such a strong, well-balanced uh, person, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's lovely to see that because a lot of people in this show has is dealing with a lot of stuff. But Carlos... It's just very well, well balanced, and it's lovely to see that uh, mm. to contrast some of the other guys. Yeah, and there's a lot more Corvus coming because we all love him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I'm so good. Excited. Well, this has been an incredible experience to kind of hear you and hear your thoughts on this episode. This has been uh, certainly one of my favorite, if not my favorite. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Episode of the season. <laughs> Um, but it's definitely up there. So I'm, I'm just really thankful that you were willing to speak with me about it. Um, with that in mind, if, if people wanted to find you via some sort of social media or elsewhere, how would you like to be found if, if you would like to be found at all? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I am on Instagram and my, my name Vila Spanksburg is fairly unique. Um, I don't really do much of Twitter or, uh, it's, I'm just too busy, man. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for, uh, animators and show creators who can actually, uh, you know, keep up with, with all the talk on, on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. So I'll try to do a little better now that, you know, it's, it's around Christmas. I'll probably upload some more behind the scenes stuff from, you know, Dragon Prince and Monkey Kid, uh, when I get a chance, cause I do have a little gold mine of stuff I, I would like to share. So yeah, I'm on Instagram, but 
but uh, yeah, I'm not super super good on any social media, unfortunately. I'm I'm a working worries. director. <laughs> yeah, no worries at all. This has been yeah. great. Yeah, and thank you so much. I, it's um, it's not every day you get a chance to kind of uh, spend an hour to dive into you know the subject text of these episode uh, because when you make a TV show, it is very fast. Um, yeah, you you usually have to go with your first instincts a lot of the time you don't have time to sit back and think about everything uh so afterwards having this chance to talk about it with with somebody who's very you know very intelligent intelligent and reflective about everything is, is that, that's a joy thank you for doing it oh, uh, thank you especially on you know today today <laughs> yeah absolutely we are recording on thanksgiving so this is a big day for for everyone and we are on that note incredibly thankful for not just for you for joining us but for all of our listeners and for all of the 250 plus people who are have worked and continue to work on the dragon prince so thank you so much for for being here uh everyone you can find us at bnb underscore pod on all the social media channels and it is with that in mind that i i thank you again and sign off until next time be well and do well